This is Isabel in San Dimas, Conversations with Neighbors. This is a podcast to spark conversations among neighbors about happenings in and around San Dimas. I am Isabel in San Dimas, and I'm happy to be one of your neighbors. Today's episode is all about McKinley, which is a local nonprofit here in San Dimas. If you're anything like me, you may have heard about McKinley, whether you've lived in San Dimas for a short amount of time or a long time. Although also like me, you may have a vague idea about what they do, but you might not know all the ins and outs and how big of an organization they actually are. So I'm going to read a little bit about McKinley from their description and then tell you about my guest today who's going to dive a little bit deeper with us. So from the website, McKinley Children's Center is driven by the belief that every person is worthy of hope and help. Originally founded as a residential facility for orphaned children over a century ago, McKinley has grown and evolved into a multifaceted organization dedicated to improving the lives of young people and adults in our community. With each new program, service, and community outreach initiative, McKinley offers a lifeline by providing transformative education, counseling, and social services in a nurturing and compassionate environment. And to join me on the show today, I have Bria Mason. She is a California native and the diversity, equity, and inclusion liaison for McKinley Children's Center in San Dimas. Outside of her current role, she is an anthropologist currently pursuing her PhD in communication studies at the University of Antwerp in Belgium. She sits on the board of directors for an organization that helps those experiencing homelessness. She's a published author and is constantly learning about different cultures and customs. So not only is Bria a great member of the McKinley team who uh, was gracious enough to join me today to uh, kind of talk a little bit more deeply about McKinley, their services and programs, but she's also a wealth of knowledge in all of her extracurricular activities, shall we say. So uh, I hope you enjoy my interview with Bria. Thank you for joining me today, Bria. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm really excited for today's interview. I'm really excited to be here. So this is so great. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah. So Bria Mason is the diversity, equity, and inclusion liaison at McKinley Children's Center. And I am ready to just dive right in. I know you have a lot to share with me today. So um, why don't we just start off? I'll give you a blank slate. Tell me a little bit about McKinley and what you want me and my listeners to know about it. Well, McKinley is such a wonderful place. Um, We're so mission-focused and mission-oriented to serve our communities, to serve our families and our youth. And we've just got a lot going on in our organization, lots of good stuff, of course. Um, Our mission is to compassionately transform lives of youth and families through innovative education, counseling, social services. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about DE&I today, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how we're transforming lives in that way. Uh, But our ultimate hope is to achieve success, you know, through instilling hope with ourselves and others. So we hope it's infectious and that, you know, we can really infiltrate our community with hope and understanding and 
all of our principles. So, yeah. Well, your, your energy is definitely infectious and I'm excited to, uh, really do a a deeper dive into McKinley. You know, I've, I've always heard of McKinley since I lived in San Dimas and I've, I've, Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to do an episode on my podcast about it. So I'm so glad that we were able to, uh, align our schedules and overcome technical difficulties to get here. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about, the history of McKinley and kind of the population that McKinley serves. Is it just children and youth? How how does that work? Oh, no, we uh, expand beyond that. Um, McKinley has quite an interesting history, which began in 1900. Uh, We were actually called the Industrial Poor Society, um, the Industrial Home Society by Reverend and Mrs. Uriah Gregory. Um, They were more or less the founders of McKinley. Uh, Later on, the name changed to honor the late President William McKinley, and that's where we got McKinley from, and that's where that came from. I was wondering Um, that. (laughs) Yeah, so that's a little bit about our background. Um, We've expanded quite a bit uh, from 1900 to today. So in 1961, McKinley opened its first campus, um, which consisted of 96 boys on our grounds, and we increased all of our services. Um, and our capacity to serve, which was absolutely incredible. Um, In 94, um, you know, we opened up our first non-public school and beyond. Around 92 or 94, that happened. Since then, we've opened up a second school, uh, Desert View School, uh, up in Hesperia. So we've expanded quite a bit there. Um, 2019, uh, McKinley's Children's Center officially changed its name just to McKinley, and that's to be inclusive of all the services that we offer. Um, And just to touch on that a little bit, um, we have multiple programs um, that spread across a variety of spaces. We have um, more or less five locations at McKinley, which is Palmdale, Hesperia, Riverside, San Dimas. Um, We go above and beyond to make sure we're inclusive of as many people as we can in as many spaces. So it's amazing. And then in 2020, we added in DEI to the mix. So um, showed up in 2020. So a lot of progression has been made since 1900. And, you know, we just keep moving forward. Awesome. Well, you you kind of uh, answered a lot of the questions that I had <laughs> with that one answer. So, so when McKinley started in 1900 or around there, so it was just an orphanage, right? When when the founders first started it. Yes. Okay. And then fast forward to now. I mean, so you just taught me a lot about McKinley that I didn't know. I didn't realize that there were so many locations. So is San Dimas like the headquarters and then the other locations are kind of like satellite sites? Yes. San Dimas acts as our headquarters, but that doesn't mean that we, um, you know, undermine or underrepresent the populations in the other spaces and other areas. So we just like to make sure that we have equal representation. And although our official address may be in San Dimas, our teams are very robust in our other areas. Um, For instance, we have our uh, FSP program um, that serves older adults who um, may be experiencing homelessness or um, have mental health challenges up in Palmdale. And I just want to give a shout out really quick to that team because they do such good work, as well as our foster family and adoption center up there. As I had mentioned, we have another another school in Hesperia, DBS, uh, Desert View School. So we make sure that we just reach any and every community that we possibly can that needs our services. 
Okay. Well, and that's another thing I, I literally just learned sitting here talking to you is that I thought McKinley's services was just for children and youth. And, and so like you said, the name recently changed and your services include, um, a wider population, like you just mentioned, older adults. Um, and that is new information to me. So thank you yes, for educating me. Families and community. We love to reach everyone. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. And, and so as long as it's serving um, McKinley's mission, uh, you are happy to serve any population that comes your way. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're very mission focused. As I mentioned, we're very mission driven. And as long as, you know, individuals are willing to fit that very open and inclusive mold, we're willing to serve. Mm-hmm. So, so that, um, so I guess I'm wondering, you know, there are nonprofits out there that are, you know, like focused on homelessness or like domestic violence or like substance use, things like that. Is there like a common thread among McKinley services or does it just kind of, um, it does it, is it just like pretty diverse and, and range from site to site? I would say it's pretty diverse and that's our strong suit. I think that, um, you know, the CEO and our board members bringing in a diversity, equity and inclusion liaison was a, the most perfect thing because that's what we do. We serve so many diverse populations and we want to make sure that we're inclusive and that we're representative of all of those populations. Um, so I just think my role is a perfect fit for what we do. And, you know, I think that's kind of our, our trade. We're good at a little bit of everything. Okay, so, got yeah. it. So, yeah, let's transition to talk a little bit about your position as the diversity, equity, and inclusion liaison. So, you came on board in 2020. Um, can you talk a little bit about what your role is in the organization? Like, do you work mostly with uh, the folks served by McKinley, or do you, you know, service the staff members? What is what does your job look like? Ooh, my job is very, very, very interesting. And uh, for, to make a very long story short, I serve absolutely everyone, um, community members, board members, um, our staff members, um, our youth, and um, also families. So I, I try to reach as many people as I can. Um, I would say within my first year, my focus was on the staff. And I hope to eventually expand out with that and make sure that we're touching the lives of our families and then our youth and our community members. So, yeah, it's a lot for uh, one person to undertake. Nevertheless, it's going to be done. And I'm really excited for what's what's ahead. Yeah. So you so you just started. And so, like you said, you kind of focused with the staff. And I imagine um you probably need to start there and then eventually kind of branch your role out because uh, I think it starts probably with the folks who are doing the work. Um, what does your um, work look like? Are you doing like one-on-one outreach? Are you doing trainings, groups, classes? Not to sound too broad here again, but I do a mix of everything. Um, I think that my background and uh, my experience before um, beginning at McKinley really played a part into that. Um, I was actually a researcher and an anthropologist by trade. And as many of you probably may know, um, anthropologists study human beings and being a researcher really helped me because I had the skill set to reach people on an individual basis because I know all about ethnography and reaching people one-on-one. 
you know, when I say using research-based strategies, I say that very loosely because it could mean hosting a forum with a group of people and that being kind of like my focus group to reach them and to, to spread messages and to make sure we're on the same page and that we're all feeling good about social justice and teaching, you know? So my background kind of matches what I'm doing today. So although it may be uh, a bit overwhelming or challenging, probably for the average person, it was my trade before coming to McKinley. So I'm very comfortable reaching people individually and collectively. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. And what kind of um, discussions or like messaging is involved in the uh, DEI role that you have? Like, what are some of the conversations that you're having? I, I imagine... Some are more difficult to have than others. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Every conversation is challenging. And I think if the conversation isn't challenging, are you really moving the needle forward? Are you really spreading a message? Every conversation that I have with any kind of group is always based around respect, um, safe spaces, um, a high level of disclosure. And those are just some of the things I have to focus on that are very preliminary. But um, below that, you know, we have conversations surrounding anything and everything, diversity, equity, and inclusion related. I mean, I feel like the conversation also needs to be tailored to what individuals at McKinley are up to. So for instance, if, you know, um, staff members in our short-term residential treatment program are experiencing issues with their youth and um, police brutality or um, having that talk with their youth about what it means to be respectful to police and why, or, um, you know, just very delicate, challenging conversations that always end up in such a, you know, a great way. I go there with them and I have those difficult conversations and I spread positive messages and we get down to the nitty gritty of stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the conversations are tailored. It just depends on what the teams feel like they need to talk about, what they want to talk about, issues they may be facing, um, wins in their bucket, it, the conversation's tailored. Mm -hmm. So so the way I'm understanding it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is like, um, so you work with staff, obviously, on, on these issues, but then if there are maybe, I don't know, for lack of a better word, challenges that arise or difficult conversations that need to be had, um, you're mm -hmm. sometimes brought in to kind of help um, maybe like bridge the... Um, maybe differences in perspectives or, or challenges that people are bringing up. So for example, like you said, um, you know, if, if some of your youth are having difficulties with, uh, you know, police or police presence that trying to bring people together to have a conversation about what that means, why are we having challenges? How do we mitigate those challenges? Does that sound right? Absolutely. And there's also an educational part, uh, portion to that as well. So um, a lot of times, too, I am a teacher in that respect, in that we dissect what police brutality is and was, um, the history of that. We dissect, um, you know, maybe some of the racial tensions that go along with policing. We, we talk about the upsides and the need for policing. We talk about everything, anything and everything from all perspectives, all point of view. Um, we, we, we're, not, we're never shy to dive into that. Um, you know, as I said, the conversations are always very respectful of everyone everywhere. And um, we just need to dissect and really take a close look at hot topics, hot terms that are here right now to um, kind of get rid of 
misinformation and to get on track for inclusion. So it seems like, I mean, you are really tackling these issues head on, like instead of brushing them away, you know, you're bringing them to the forefront and saying like, let's bring it out in the open. Let's talk about them because uh, if we, if we suppress them or don't address them, you know, that probably makes the problem worse. And so you're trying to bring it to light and, and help people to understand each other. That's right. And to bridge gaps into, um, Ultimately, like you said, bring people together. That's kind of my mission and my aim um, is to strive for inclusion and to embrace the diversity of thought. Um, I think that we live in such a time that's very um, polarized, very trying. And I think the more understanding we can have for one another, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, in a lot of ways um, within my role, I act as that liaison in bridging gaps, but I also do personally as well. So for me, um, it's it's a challenging feat on one hand, but on the other hand, it's not because it's what I do, you know, in my everyday life as well. Mm-hmm. So. so I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a social worker and what you do, like the work that you do with people, it reminds me a lot of social work. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm curious to know, you know, when you're having these conversations, like you mentioned police brutality and racial tensions, like, you know, I imagine you're, you have the staff and the, the clients, the youth there. Do you also bring in like, um, officers or law enforcement professionals in those conversations? Or is it just with like the McKinley population? Right now it's just with the McKinley population. Um, but this will expand. It's going to expand and eventually we're going to reach and be able to bring in um, some of our local officers um, into the conversation because I feel like without adequate representation, we can't have that bigger picture and that full, well-rounded, ultra-inclusive conversation. So the more people that join these conversations, in my opinion, the better. Mm -hmm. You know, it contributes to that diversity piece and aspect. Mm -hmm. So So you mentioned... um the police brutality issue. Are there other similar topics that you've had to tackle with the staff or uh, the clients at McKinley? I don't know, you know, like vaccines are a big issue right now. I don't know if that's that's something you've tackled, (laughs) but, but what are the other diversity equity and inclusion topics that you've had to address? Um, A really big one is LGBTQ plus inclusion. Um, That was quite a wonderful one. Um, In my opinion, all of the staff at McKinley um, are just absolutely wonderful and they have a natural kind of inkling for what it means to be diverse, equitable and inclusive. Because a lot of times um, in these conversations, people contribute so much, you know, so much knowledge, stuff I wasn't even aware of or have no knowledge of. So it becomes kind of like this sharing of information. Uh, group. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of times what it turns out to be. Um, I would say LGBTQ plus um, issues that have risen um, in communities, um, in schools, that is a really big one that we hit on for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Pride Month was in June. And I think that the conversation began in June. Um, and it continues today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. And 
Um, do you find people to be pretty forthcoming when you're having these discussions or, or, or guarded? Is it hard to have people open up or I, I don't know what the culture is like at McKinley. I would say the culture is extremely open. <laughs> and even those that do not feel comfortable in sharing, that's totally fine too, because a part of being equitable and inclusive is being respectful to people's um, way of communicating or, um, you know, respecting their beliefs. So in general, I would say people are extremely open. Um, I haven't had anyone that, um, was disrespectful or, you know, rude. We're not that way here. <laughs> so people, so people come to the group, um, however they are and, you know, whether yes. they're ready to be an open book or if they're a little bit guarded, it's okay. They just come, um, yes. and share what they're able and willing to. Absolutely. And I think that's the most beautiful thing. And I think that that increases the level of disclosure um, in conversations because people don't feel like they have to put on an act to contribute to the conversation. They come as their whole selves. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. um, I, we're just phenomenal here. I don't know how else to say it. I'm well, you know, I, I'll say I, I'm really impressed by, you know, just your role and the work that you're doing and, um, you know, the fact that McKinley added this designated position because I don't know a lot of organizations that are really doing this very specific work and, and kind of, I know you like, you, we were throwing around these words, diversity, equity, and inclusion, but um, like, as you're talking about it, what, what it makes me think is that your goal is really to, to make sure that McKinley is a place where like, it doesn't matter your race, your religion, your sexual orientation, your gender, that, that everyone is welcome and feels included here. And it sounds like that's kind of the goal of, of what you're doing, um, like you specifically and the work that you're kind of instilling in, in the team there. Absolutely. Um, and I got lucky because I came into that culture. McKinley has this culture. So how do we maintain it and how do we elevate it? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I came in. Um, and that's through, you know, community outreach. That's through hosting initiatives. That's through having dialogues with staff. That's through um, navigating through challenging conversations. Mm -hmm. But I think McKinley was like that um, when I came into the organization. So I had that boost, you know, and that was my privilege in coming into this scenario. Um, well, so, yeah. And that kind of, um, you know, going back to the history of McKinley, that kind of makes sense because like I said, I, I had this preconceived mm -hmm. idea that McKinley was just for youth and children. But as you said, there, there's this culture of like being more inclusive and opening up. And then, you know, now here, here McKinley is like a hundred years later or, you know, over a hundred years later from its origin and it's servicing, um, such a wider population than it originally started with. Absolutely. That baseline was already there. So when I came in, all I had to do was promote what was already being done. Mm -hmm. So can you, so we've talked a lot about kind of your specific role with McKinley, uh, which I'm so happy to hear about. Can you talk mm -hmm. about some of the specific programs or projects that you have you know, that you've touched in your work. You mentioned FSP, which I don't know what that stands for. <laughs> if you want to 
explain what that is? Or, you know, I know they, there's the foster care and adoption programs, if you want to touch on any of those. Absolutely. Well, we have our mental health program. Um, it reaches and it spans across a variety of counties. It's absolutely huge. And, um, you know, our leaders are at the helm to make sure that any and all individuals um, are reached and touched with those mental health services. So we have our mental health program. We have our FFA, which is our foster family and adoptions program, which I'm going to talk about here a little bit today, too. Um, Our FFA is just wonderful. Um, They are just so inclusive and inviting to all families um, everywhere. Um, I would say one of the greatest strengths that I've seen with our FFA is their ability to be inclusive. Um, They promote anyone and everyone coming together to create a family. And it's just, they do such beautiful work. I could literally cry on this podcast going on and on and on for hours about the wonderful things our our foster family and adoptive uh, program do. Uh, But there's more. We also have our short-term residential treatment program where we house um, youth. And that facility is uh, located at our headquarters in San Dimas. And so um, we have a full-time staff there, 24-7, who help to um, guide youth. And they're sort of the professional parents of our youth there. Phenomenal, wonderful people. We've got our two non-public schools. We have Canyon View School down at our main campus and Desert View School up in Hesperia. Um, And then we have a very robust admin team, which consists of accounting, human resources. All the the people who do the behind the scenes work. All the behind scenes. And that's where I am. I'm in the uh, quality systems uh, department, which is also very robust. Um, I would say my department specific is very innovative, cutting edge. Um, The reason why I even came into this role using research-based strategies is because that's what McKinley was looking for. What's the next thing? How can we expand this baseline level that we already have and reach out to those that, you know, maybe aren't aware of all of our services? We're always looking forward. Um, We're always looking to improve and advance everything that we're already doing here. So we have quite a few programs. <laughs> I I know. And McKinley seems to wear a lot of hats as an organization. Like you said, you have the mm-hmm. mental health, the foster care programs, the schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, y- you have to be skilled at all of those things to, to do them well. And it seems like you guys have a, a pretty diverse team and uh, people who know what they're doing at the helm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. We've got experts. I would call them experts in the field. So, so let's talk a little bit more about the uh, foster programs because that, that's the one that I I've heard the most about, and and I see McKinley post about that on social media. Um, can you share any like success stories fr- from that program that that you're aware of, or you know, yeah, just any 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 stories from that program that you want to share? Absolutely. Um, So I'm going to talk a little bit about an accreditation and how it relates to success stories. So our foster family and adoptive program is just wonderful, absolutely incredible. I just want to get that out of there. But when it comes to innovation and pioneering inclusion, that's their forte. I I would say, um, you know, they're really at the helm when it comes to that. So McKinley has been accredited 
um, through the Human Rights Campaign. Um, so basically, the Human Rights Campaign um, deals with anything and everything LGBTQ plus inclusion. And it's just a really beautiful agency and organization that gives accreditation to other organizations who are doing well. Um, well, our FFA pioneered that. They began receiving accreditation through the Human Rights Campaign, All Children, All Families Accreditation uh, for several years. And we're very cutting edge in being LGBTQ plus inclusive, um, ensuring that same-sex couples could foster and adopt. Um, there are several success stories regarding that um, that just really touch the hearts of many because unfortunately not every agency is affirming and accepting for LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. uh, identifying or same-sex couples. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we took a lot of inspiration from our FFA and have spread the uh, accreditation agency-wide. So now instead of FFA solely having that accreditation, it is now agency-wide. Um, that's something that myself, and the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee worked very hard on um, and took a lot of tips from our foster family and adopted, uh, adoption program um, on and really went at the helm with that. Mm-hmm. But they were our influence for that. They were our inspiration to strive for inclusion. Um, they did such beautiful work on hand already that we could take it and run with it and make sure that that same practice was infiltrated throughout all of our various programs and departments. So our FFA does amazing things. They're cutting edge. Uh, They're inclusive. They're accepting. They're affirming. Um, They do such wonderful work. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the ways that people in the community can be involved with McKinley, like say through the FFA, you know, I I mean, obviously, adoption is one way that, you know, someone can, can be part of the work that you're doing. But what are some other ways that, you know, myself or my neighbors might be able to support the good work that McKinley's doing? Well, there's a couple of ways, and I'm going to mention them, Um, you know, not just adoption, but fostering, and really getting the message out there and um, going back to facts and statistics and looking at those that, you know, maybe really want to adopt or foster, but cannot. So for instance, like I had mentioned, a lot of um, agencies out there aren't affirming or accepting of LGBTQ plus families. Um, We at McKinley absolutely do. That's not to say that the other agencies don't that are out there, but a lot of them, that's not really their forte or that, you know, they don't really have that specific skill. Um, We are specialized in that. We know what it means to feel included and to want to have a family and bring people together mm-hmm. um, because that's just what we're kind of known for uh, <laughs> within our FFA. Um, so yeah, promoting, bringing families together and family um, can be comprised of anyone. They don't have to be blood related to be family. So um, if anyone out there is looking to foster or adopt or would just like some information uh, to please contact us. Um, that's such a beautiful and wonderful thing to bring people together, you know, and create forever families. Mm-hmm. So that's one way. Um, another way is through partnering with me and my department uh, and collaborating with any kind of DEI related initiative. Um, I'm always open to suggestions, especially from the community. So if we can create a partnership in any way to get the word out there that DE&I, it's, it's the way to go. It's the way forward to make sure that everyone feels like they belong. 
That's another way. And then um, another way, the last way is a golf tournament that we have coming up. Um, it's on November 8th, 2021. It's in Chino Hills at uh, Western Hills Country Club. So if you can make it out, if you like to golf and you want to register, that's always a great way to, um, you know, really support our programs and our services and all that we do at McKinley. So <laughs> there's always a lot of stuff you can do um, to support us, to support all of our great work. So, yeah. Awesome. So so there are ways to to be, I'd say, very intimately involved if, if you've thought about fostering or adopting or, you know, kind of mm-hmm. volunteering in that way. I assume there's volunteer opportunities as well through to do like more of that service. And then if, if there are community partners out there who want to uh, partner with Bria and her team on diversity, equity, inclusion. And then of course there's events. I assume the golf tournament is a fundraiser, but you know, if there are ways that people want to contribute financially to McKinley, uh, you can do that through the golf tournament or, I imagine other events that are coming up. Uh, every nonprofit has to raise money. So I'm sure there are a lot of ways to do that uh, with McKinley. Absolutely. And just, you know, there's there's so many ways to kind of reach us and to reach out. Like you said, um, if you're looking for something that's a little bit less of a commitment, um, there, we have volunteered and in, uh, internship opportunities, if that's what you're looking for. Um, and, you know, it could be as intimate as um, fostering or adopting some of our youth. So, yeah, it just depends on your uh, what you've got to give at that time. And um, all is appreciated on our end because that's what keeps us moving forward. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So how can people learn more about McKinley? Uh, obviously, there's a website. Uh, is there someone they can reach out to if you know someone listened to this and, and wants to learn more about McKinley and the work that you all do? Sure. Um, I think I'm a a keystone in that way. (laughs) I've got lots of information um, at my fingertips. So if anyone wants to reach out to me personally, my email is masonb at mckinleycc.org and they can reach out that way. And of course, you can log on to our website, which is uh, mckinleycc.org. And if you want to look at all that's going on DE&I related, it's the same web address, just slash DEI. Awesome. Cool. And I will link to all of those uh, websites and your email address on my podcast page. So people have easy access to that when they uh, listen to this. And that'll be at isabelandsandemus.com slash McKinley. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bria. Is there anything else that, that we didn't address that you wanted to mention before we head out today? No, just thank you so, so much for having me on your podcast today. This has been such a wonderful thing. I've been looking forward to this. Um, Yeah, and I'm excited for all that's to come. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for educating me on the good work that McKinley does. I I learned a lot like in the first one minute that you were talking. And so I hope that my (laughs) listeners also, you know, had had something to learn from you today. And uh, yeah, I know that there's a lot of wonderful people at McKinley. And and I'd love to, you know, dive in deeper if if anyone wanted to come back and do a follow up. So thanks again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. I am so grateful that Bria was able to join me on the show today. She was so sweet and exuberant and uh, just loves McKinley so much and the work that they do. And I feel like she really kind of gave me an inside scoop on McKinley and what they're about. 
I'm curious to know what you thought about the interview. If you have any questions or if uh, you learned something new about McKinley, uh, feel free to let me know at my website, isabelandsandemus.com slash McKinley. I, for one, like I mentioned in the interview, I was really surprised to learn about all the different populations that McKinley serves. I really thought that it was an organization that was focused on adoption and fostering, which is definitely part of the work that they do. But um, in talking to Bria, I learned that they do so much more than just that. And so I'm glad that we had her on the show today. And I can't wait to learn more about the great work that McKinley does. And now that we are in the middle of October, holiday season is upon us. I feel like life and the world and everything is moving so fast. And we have some special upcoming events that I want to make you aware of. Um, Here in San Dimas, I mean, there's so much to do around the holidays. There's pumpkin patches and costume contests, trunk or treats. Um, A couple things that I want to mention to you are on Saturday, October 23rd from 3 to 6 p.m., The Sandy Miss Canyon Nature Center is having their Halloween nature crawl. Um, They're going to have a costume contest, crafts, a Halloween hunt, uh, some wildlife exhibits where you can learn more about wild animals. So if that is your jam, head on over to the Nature Center. Also, same weekend, the city of San Dimas is going to have a lot of Halloween activities going on. On Friday, October 22nd, they're going to have their pumpkin carving contest, and that's over at Civic Center Park. Winners will be announced at 6.30, and there's going to be a movie following at 7.15. It's going to be Monster House. And then on Saturday, October 23rd, there are a lot... of things going on at Civic Center Park. There's going to be a costume contest, trunk or treating, and that starts right around 5, 5.30, I want to say, followed by a movie in the park at 7.15, which is going to be Coco, which is a movie that my family really loves. Also on Saturday morning at 7.30, there's the annual Running Scared event. They have a 5K, a toddler trot. I think there's one other event. Um, and that's on Saturday morning, the 23rd at Sandy Miss High School Stadium. So if you're interested in any of those city run activities, you can register online at sandymissca.gov. And transitioning from the holidays, there is a big topic that's coming up on the docket. It's kind of been Uh, in the works, and that is the city's transition to district elections. Um, The city has had, I believe, three out of four required public hearings to transition to districts, and there are a few more coming up. So the public hearing dates are tentatively scheduled for November 9th, 15th, 16th, 17th, and 23rd at 7 p.m., at City Hall. Uh, The 15th, 16th, and 17th are tentative, but I will link to this information on my website. There's also going to be a community workshop on October 20th where members of the community can learn how to draw and submit district maps. So I will link to that information on my website. It's a big topic, way more than I'm able to cover right now, Um, but I will link to some articles if you're interested in learning more about the process of transitioning to districts as well as some information from the city's website. So check that all out at isabelandsandemus.com slash McKinley. All right. And my personal tidbit, I can't remember if I've told you guys this before, but I have a bit of a confession to make. 
I was never really that much into Halloween growing up. Um, it wasn't until I met Phil and his family and moved to San Dimas that I really embraced the holiday spirit, I would say. Uh, as far as Halloween goes, Phil's birthday is in October and he loves Halloween. The family goes all out. And as you all know, San Dimas goes all out. And having kids now, they just have so much fun seeing the decorations, getting dressed up. And so um, you know, I'll admit that the past few years getting dressed up and making our costumes for Halloween have been a lot of fun. So um, if you're going to the costume contest on the 23rd at Civic Center Park, maybe you will see me and my family there. All right, everyone. And that is it for me today. Thanks for joining me. I am Isabel in San Dimas. Before I go, I want to encourage you to connect with one of your neighbors. As you know, it's uh, seasons are changing. It's time for fall and uh all the local bakeries have their pumpkin spice lattes, their fall treats. So maybe you could invite a neighbor to go to the local bakery, go to the local cafe and get a little slice of autumn. As always, you can find me at isabelandsandimus.com. Feel free to reach out to me. I love hearing from you. Send me uh, your family Halloween costumes. I'd love to check them out and maybe I'll post some on my website just for fun. I look forward to chatting with you next time and take care.